Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vince. And I'm Ashley. And we are the lead pastors of the Outlet Community Church. And wherever you are in the world, our heart is to add value to your life. That's right. Whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a topic in the Bible, whether it's a life skill that you're looking to develop and hone in on, allow us to be an outlet for you. Yes, and our prayer is that wherever you are, whether you're right here in service or you're out in the world in the nation, listen, our prayer is that God meets you right where you are. We all have needs, we all have things, but our God is able and he's able to bless you and get you where you need to be. We have hundreds of hours of digital content that is available for you to consume yes. free of charge. Freely we receive, freely we want to give <laughs> it back to you. So make it a point to check out our page, check out our website at the yeah. Outlet Community. Dot com and you'll be able to find countless hours of videos, podcasts, and other material to help you grow in your walk with God. Hey, if you like some of the content, like, subscribe, share it, and we'd love that. <laughs> See your family and friends. So open up your heart and get ready to receive all that God has for you. John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and our text is John 14, verses 12 through 17. John 14, verses 12 through 17. And there are four areas that we are looking at in this Spiritology series. Number one, we looked at, began looking at last week, kingdom collaboration between God and man. And this was God's plan from the beginning to work with his creation. The next aspect that we'll look at and begin looking at today is who is the Holy Spirit and how will we work together? The next thing we will look at is the Holy Spirit within, which is for character, and then the Holy Spirit upon, which is for service. And as we look at John chapter 14 and verse 12, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask anything for anything in my name, and I will do it, so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The word advocate there is paraclete, who we'll be looking at today. And it says, the paraclete who will never, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Amen. So as we pick up in Part three of Spiritology, the ever-present helper. I invite you all to join me in prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace, Lord. 
It's your grace that enables me to stand here today. And as we're teaching on who Holy Spirit is, as we're teaching on how he works through us, I surrender my mortal body so that you could have your way in me and through me in our time together. Lord, we're, we're just giving you all the glory and all the praise for signs following your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen. amen. So I want to give some doctrine as it relates to Holy Spirit and, and doctrine of the triune nature of God. God exists eternally as three persons. He's God the Father, He's God the Son, and He's God the Holy Spirit. And so there are some schools of thought that accept God the Father, and they also accept God the Son. But when it comes to who Holy Spirit is, there's often question of, is Holy Spirit a person? And the answer is yes. He is more than just power being expressed, but he is a divine, personal expression of God in the earth. Each person of the triune nature of God is fully God, and all of God's attributes are true of all three persons, and there is only still one God. So we need to, in summary here, understand that God is three persons. Number two, each person is fully God, and three, we have to understand that there is one God. But in verse 16, when he said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the word another means of the same sort. So what Jesus was saying to his disciples who were concerned about what will we do now that your physical presence will not be here, that your time for crucifixion has come. How are we going to manage? You've been with us these last three years, and now you're telling us that you have to go away. And Jesus, in true form, gives them the answer to every one of their concerns and says, I'm going to give you another or of the same sort type of person who is just like me. The same way that Jesus was with them, he said that, my spirit will be with you. But the beautiful nature about that is that when Jesus was on the earth fulfilling prophecy, fulfilling his earthly mission, he could only do so in the geographical location that he was in. But in the new covenant, when someone believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, who is God, comes to live on the inside of them. And wherever a person who believes in Jesus is, that's where God is as well. So that means if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, everywhere that you go, God goes with you. We're not waiting till Sunday morning for us to get into the presence of God. The presence of God is with us every single place that we go. So he said, I want to pray for another advocate. The word advocate in verse 16 is the Greek word parakletos. And this word is so powerful. This word is so awesome that this word in its truest form is often untranslatable. It is hard to translate. In essence, it's hard to quantify. What is it saying to you and I? Really simple. In our life, if I had to ask you, 
Who has God been to you? I guarantee there may be a handful of you that will tell me that there aren't just words to describe all that God has been to me. Am I, am I missing it on that? Is there anybody in here that can say, I, there are some words that I could describe God and how good he's been, but words just don't do it justice. Well, maybe let me go talk to this other side of the room. <laughs> so the same thing is true here with the Paracletos. He's saying there aren't words to describe specifically who he is, but whatever you need him to be, he will be that word for you. And so in the early 13 and 1400s, there was a definition of the Paracletos that he was the comforter. But over hundreds of years, the word comforter had lost its original meaning. Now, when you think comforter, you think someone who comes alongside when you're sad. Or comforter is the name of the type of cover that goes on top of a bed. It's a blanket. Like, the name comforter lost its English meaning, its English standing. And so the next word that was given is the helper. So Paracletos went from, uh, it, it first rendered as comforter, but then it went to helper. But it's only when we examine this word Paracletos in detail that we catch the riches of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It really means someone who is called in, but it's, it is the reason why a person is called in which gives the world its distinctive associations, meaning there are many different reasons for why you would need to call upon the name of the Lord. But whatever that reason is, God is perfectly fit to meet whatever need you call him to. If you need him to be your provider, he's your provider. If you need him to be your healer, he is your healer. If he's the one that needs to make a way for you, he's going to make a way for you. If you need wisdom, he'll make wisdom known to you. Whatever it is that you need, when you call on his name, he will be that for you. So the paracletos is a person called in to give witness in a court of law in someone's favor, meaning that Holy Spirit comes alongside of us when the accuser of the brethren, Satan, tries to throw your past in your face and tries to send negative thoughts and words of self-doubt and says that you'll never be this and you'll never make it out of that and you'll never rise above this, Holy Spirit comes in, well, let me tell you what the Word says. By my stripes they are healed. What, there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And every single time Satan tries to come against what God has said about you, Holy Spirit answers with the word of God about why his word is true over any fact or feeling Satan tries to throw your way. So that's one part of the paracletos. The next part is that he's an advocate called in to plead the cause of someone under a charge which would issue in a serious penalty. 
man, I am so grateful for the grace and the mercy and the love of God because the word says in Romans chapter 3, for it's the wages of sin that leads to death, meaning every time I sin, I should be put to death. But the Holy Spirit comes in and says, listen, I know what they have done, but when they accepted Jesus Christ, they accepted his righteousness. So, Father, I am standing as the mediator in between man and in between God, righteously pleading their cause to him, saying, Father, remember your word concerning them. Remember how you said you'd never leave them. Remember how you said you'd never forsake them. Remember how you said you'd always have their back. That's what he does for us. It, it, Parakletos also means an expert called in to give advice in some difficult situation or a person called in when, for example, a company of soldiers or a team is depressed and dispirited to put on new courage. And he puts that courage, I'm ringing up here, puts that courage into their minds and their hearts. What he's saying is, for those who feel discouraged, feel like there's no way out, he's the one who reminds you of the goodness of God in your life. He's the one that says, if you've been in a situation like what you've been in before, and God has shown himself faithful, he will continue to show himself faithful. He will continue to show himself true to his word. And there are some moments and times that seem completely discouraging in my life. I don't know if you all have been there, where I've had some completely discouraging news come in my life. But it's in that moment that in, in the peace of the Holy Ghost that he comes in and says, no, you're not by yourself. No, this, this isn't the end. No, there's more in store. And you get encouragement. And this is where the peace that passes all understanding comes from. Because the peace comes from the Lord. And it goes beyond anything that you could reason in your head, reason in your mind. It's the work of the Paracletos. The parakletos is someone called in in the time of trouble or in need. But here is the reality. When we get in trouble, when we are in trouble, when we are in need, we've got to be humble enough to ask for help. John 14 and 15, it says, if you love me, Obey my commandments. And love is demonstrated through the willingness to be humble in the relationship. If we love the Lord, then we're going to be humble with him. We're going to be honest with him. <laughs> what I love is there are things that we try to hide from God as if he does not already know. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. So let's talk about humility for a moment in accessing help, accessing the parakletos, because that's the only way that we access the divine helper of Holy Spirit. 
is that we have a level of humility that says, you know what, Lord, I don't know, but you do. A level of humility that says, I might have a way that things need to get done, but Lord, your way is better. 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse 5, it says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when we operate in humility, we're able to access the grace that is needed to help in our time of need. Now, I don't know, gentlemen, if you've been there with me in the vehicle and you're driving with your lovely young lady and she says that we might be lost on the road and you're like, no, we're not. <laughs> I think you might have missed your turn. No, I didn't. I know where I'm going. It's a different route. It's a shortcut. I know what the GPS says, but it's some things they don't have programmed into this map, and I'm going to go around. <laughs> Be humble enough to admit, hey, I need your help in this. Verse 6, it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at his right time. Not your right time. At his right time, he will lift you up in honor. So give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So how do we walk in this humility? So I'm supposed to clothe myself with humility every day. I need to be humble enough to ask for help. So what does this look like? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. When it comes to walking in humility with God, it means taking some of the most vulnerable areas of your life to him for scrutiny. Allowing him to have input. I can admit there have been times in my Christian walk where I've got my list of things that I'm going to give the Lord and then my list of things that I'm going to hold on and I'll take care of for myself. And quite honestly, if we want his help, either he's the Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. We've got to give him every area of our life. And, and I want to encourage someone who's having a hard time really trusting God in some very critical areas. I want to encourage you to lean into that because it's going to reveal deep down your need to control more than you have the power to control. And I simply just want you to put that situation in his hand and say, Lord, whatever you say, whatever your wisdom is, I'm going to lay this at your feet. But Matthew 7 is going to show us how to continue, especially for these I call them the high-ticket items, the, the, the areas that need extreme prayer, the areas that 
Many of us want the Lord to answer yesterday. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like God's taking too long? <laughs> like, Lord, I know you might be busy. I know my prayer might be in queue, but, you know, when you get a moment. <laughs> in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7, it says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I want to make a, a, a note here that the behaviors of asking, seeking, and knocking are all to be acts done with a heart of humility. What does it mean to have a posture of humility when it comes to asking the Lord for various items? What does it mean to maintain the posture of, community, or, or, of humility when we're seeking the Lord in regards to something? And what does it mean to maintain the posture of humility when it comes to knocking? Well, if we're continually asking, we're continually seeking, we're continually knocking with humility, what that means is we're saying that, Lord, the only thing that I'm asking, seeking, or knocking are not for the things that I want, but for the things that you want. When you go to God with repetition, he will weed out what is your will versus what is his will. And over a period of time, you will align your request to his divine plan for your life. Because I'm so glad I think Garth Brooks said this in one of his songs. He says, sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Come on now, who prayed for some stuff and you glad the Lord did not answer? Come on, y'all got some exes that y'all were praying like, Lord, if you could just make this a reality. And now you're looking back now like, Lord, thank you, you said no. Thank you. When you, somebody really got that one, yeah. <laughs> what you have to understand is that God allows you to bring everything to him in prayer, but when you constantly go to him, he fine-tunes it to make sure it's in align with his will and his word so that you get the very thing that you're supposed to have. Prayer doesn't mean you get what you want. It's not prayer. That means we'd have a genie. God is not a genie. God is God. God gives us everything we need, and he conforms our will to get what he wants, not what we want. That's how Holy Spirit works with us. Verse 9, in Matthew chapter 7, it says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful, and, and the word sinful means if you natural, if you carnal, people. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Someone say and type in how much more. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Verse 11 reminds us that faith knows that God will give us what we need even before we need it. 
meaning when we align our life to his will for our life, we end up walking in answers to things that God has already set aside for us. Now, I'm natural. I am not God, but I have a son. And my wife and I are already thinking of things and, and instruments and uh, different ways to set his life up long before he ever needs it. Now, right now, only thing he cares about is his uh, Tonka trucks, his trains, and pots and pans and Tupperware. <laughs> but all the while, his parents are shaping his life and his future for him to walk directly into the life that we have set up for him. As we mature in the things of God, we get caught up into a whole bunch of miscellaneous things, things that don't amount to a hill of beans. And the more that we spend time with God, the more we mature and begin to align our life to put priority on what matters to the kingdom of God. But what matters to the kingdom of God. Verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This entire book, this entire word, it's solely about understanding how much God loves us and then displaying that same type of love toward other people. Now, when that is your foundation, all of your prayers change because you're concerned with the will of God. You're concerned with the plan of God and not just what you want and what it is that you desire. This changes everything. This changes your aspirations. Humility is what accesses the grace of God. But it's also humility that's required to collaborate with the Holy Spirit on earth today. The, the biggest issue that we have in all of our lives is this false sense of confidence with our day-to-day -day task. We believe we've got this on our own. <laughs> there must be a total dependence on God. And when we have total dependence on God, we are able to embrace the ministry, the power, the activity of Holy Spirit. You will notice the more you depend on God, the more supernatural activity that you will experience in your day-to-day -day walk of life. I can remember not too long ago, as we've been studying this and, and pairing this up with Ephesians on Wednesday, one thing that, that God has really been on me about is pay more attention to what he's leading me to do and not what I'm planning to do on my own. And what does that mean? Sometimes that means stopping what I'm doing to give an encouraging word to someone or taking extra five, ten minutes out of my day to pray with someone. Or 
in my prayer time, instead of praying about my list that I go to God about, he then says, can I give you something to add to your list to pray about? You grow in your maturity in prayer when your list is less about you and more about how can we see God's will being done on this earth. I'm setting this up because in the next few weeks, we're going to pivot into the demonstration, the operation, and the flow of the Holy Spirit. And the only reason Holy Spirit has gotten out of balance is because those operating under the guise of Holy Spirit have pointed to themselves and how God has used them. But if we're teaching on how Holy Spirit functions, then it's our responsibility to share with you that the only reason why you see great demonstrations of Holy Spirit in your midst and wherever you go and when you're praying is because it's the force of love that is causing you to want to see change in the life of someone else. When you, want, when you love someone, you won't take advantage of someone else. When you love someone, you won't manipulate someone else. When you love someone, you'll tell them the truth. When you love someone, you will fast on their behalf to hear from God when they don't want to. The motivator is love. So how do we experience the grace from walking in humility? Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans 8 and 26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The word weakness there is our inability to produce results. Weakness also means areas out of our control. Only thing that we can control in this life is our response. We cannot control other people. We cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to life when it does happen. And it says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. When we're praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us in our prayer, and we're humble with Him to allow us to work with Him while His will is flowing through our life. Verse 28 is now what we get to see. It says, and we know that God causes everything. Someone say everything. God causes everything to work together for good. Of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for 
them. So when we're walking and living and operating with the Holy Spirit and we're surrendering our life to him, the reality is there may be moments where you don't understand what all is going on all around you. But if it's not good, God's not done. And God is working all of what you think are the miscellaneous details of your life together for your good. All right. Thought you might be excited about that. (laughs) All things, all things work together for God's purpose. Now, God doesn't cause all things. Satan is the father of darkness. And God doesn't need to use death, destruction, or decay to display his plan. But in the midst of death, decay, and destruction, When you learn to lean on the divine perspective of the Holy Spirit, you begin to see God's plan even through what's going on. Some of you have experienced some very devastating moments in your life that you have since progressed from. And you can look back at those moments and see that, man, it it was only by the grace of God that I was able to make it out of that situation. And the lessons that you learned from that experience help you to this day. They give you a heart and an empathy for someone else. They give you a care and concern for others who might be in the same situation that you were in. So God doesn't waste any season of your life. But I need to also say that God isn't the one bringing destruction into your life either. Because if you believe that God kills people, takes people out of this earth prematurely, it would be hard for you to trust someone that you don't know their intentions for your life. And often Satan will do his work and hide his hand. Now we live in a fallen world. So there are times that bad things happen to good people without any explanation. Everything's not cookie cutter. Sometimes when things happen, we don't have a clear-cut response on why it happened. And for those who are skilled in Scripture, when you don't have a Scripture chapter and verse and something that is just completely unexplainable happens, be quiet. And stop offering stuff that you don't know because you do more damage than you do good. Sometimes, sometimes, especially in in, in what we do in the ministry, there are things that happen. There There are people who pass before their time unexpectedly. And the only thing that I can do is sit there with them. And I have to trust Holy Spirit to be the one to minister to them because I am not God. We are not God. We are working together with him. But one thing I do know is that no matter how dark the day is, that on the other side, there's a greater light. On the other side, there's a greater testimony if 
people stay with God. So how is God working together, working all things together? Go to Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to close with this. Genesis chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Genesis chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3. First and foremost, this is showing you that Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. Holy Spirit is not new. Holy Spirit was there during creation. And in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, I just want to encourage someone today. It says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 2 said, the earth was formless, the earth was empty, and there was darkness. So for any person out here, if there's any area of your life that seems deserted, formless, any area of your life that seems empty or like a wasteland, any area in your life that is darker, you don't have the ability to see beyond where you are today. Right now in your life, the Spirit of God is hovering over that. But what is he hovering for? Verse 3, the Word of God. This is the importance of us getting the Word into our hearts because every day, as we saw earlier, the Holy Spirit is with us, and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us in Hebrews chapter 13. And if there's any place in your life that is seemingly deserted, seemingly like a wasteland, or seemingly dark, Holy Spirit is just waiting for the word to act on the very word that you give him. If you don't give him any word, nothing to act on. You don't give him any promise, nothing for him to act on. And often we stay where we are because we haven't activated the faith from within knowing how much God loves us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today.